Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Miriam Knight, and my guest today is Carl Greer. Carl is a PhD and a Psych D, a doctor of psychology. He's a practicing clinical psychologist, Jungian analyst, shamanic practitioner, and an author who teaches readers how to use shamanic and Jungian techniques to gain insight and energies for changing a health story that might be dissatisfying to them. He teaches at the C.G. Jung Institute of Chicago, and he's on the staff at the Replogal Center for Counseling and Well-Being, and he's involved in various charities. Now, he is the author of the very well-regarded, best-selling book, Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Now, today we're going to discuss his new book that comes out in a few weeks, called Change the Story of Your Health, Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques for Healing. I'm delighted to welcome him to the show. Hello, Carl. Afternoon, Miriam. Now, tell me how you made the personal journey from classically trained psychotherapist to shaman, or should I say shamanic shrink? (laughs) Well... As a kid, I uh, would read the stories about the mountain men and medicine uh, men and women, and I was fascinated by those stories. And uh, as I got older, I read uh, stories by uh, Castaneda and uh, Lynn Andrews and Hermo Storm and uh, uh, fantasized about, boy, that's an interesting uh, journey in life to... uh, uh, study shamanism, but I never felt that with my responsibilities that I'd ever be able to uh, pull up uh, for a period of time and and study. But then I had an opportunity when I was about uh, 60 years old to do so, and I did. And I studied uh, with a fellow named Alberto Viotto, was on his staff teaching, and then spent uh, a lot of time with other shamans in various parts of the world. doing work and studying, and it's become a very important spiritual uh, uh, discipline for me. Well, I would imagine that this was a bit of a shock to your colleagues and very adventurous of you to make that shift at the age of 60. How was it viewed by your colleagues? Well... There are some people who think uh, some of these uh, alternative spiritual practices are kind of woo-woo. If you're kind of in the mainline Western medicine uh, tradition, but some are also, I think, searching for their own uh, spiritual home, and so I think they were supportive and uh, and, and interested in it, and they were certainly willing to listen and even uh, experience some of the things that I. uh, had experienced, and I think in a lot of these practices, Miriam, unless you experience it yourself, you just can't uh, write about them or talk about them or think about them. You actually have to uh, try them out, 
and those who did, I think, in many cases, were surprised at uh, what resulted. How has this changed your practice? You you have moved really into the realm of the healer. I, I know certainly uh, psychologists are considered healers, but do you feel that you are more effective now using these shamanic techniques? don't know it's different Uh, I think it's just something else that I can uh, bring into the room and I don't do it with all people that I work with uh, all the time but it's another world view that is very compatible uh, with uh, the shamanic uh, the the Jungian worldview the shamanic worldview and the Jungian worldview have uh, um, some similarities that uh, they reinforce each other Now, your first book, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, was a great success. Why did you feel the need to follow it up with Change the Story of Your Health? Uh, As an older guy myself, uh, I'm around people who are really concerned about their health. And as a father and grandfather, I see my kids and even my grandkids that they have health questions and concerns. And in a time when uh, health care is uh, in the news and uh, uh, many uh, uh, specialists are saying you should do this or that and new alternative uh, uh, treatments are talked about all the time, I thought it would be useful for people to have a framework to start thinking about health issues so that they could take more charge than perhaps they had been in uh, being in control of their own health story. doesn't mean that they don't talk to the doctors and so forth, but uh, at least they have more uh, insights into how the various factors that make them healthy or unhealthy interrelate and uh, find ways to do something about it that perhaps they didn't realize they could. Mm -hmm. You talk about changing your story in both books. What do you mean by that? Well, in the first book, uh, I was making the point that we all have a life about which a story could be told. Uh, And we all have health about which a story could be told. And I think it opens up the way we think about things, Miriam, if we uh, can think about stories with chapters, uh, health chapters about uh, your exercise and your diet and your treatment of chronic conditions and your treatment of acute ailments and how you're aging and your self-image, your sexuality, and so forth. And by kind of focusing on various aspects of your health to get a real baseline as to what's going on, that's a starting point. And then you can say, are you satisfied with it or not? And if you're not, what might you do about it? What are the alternatives? And even if you, uh, in many cases, say, I'd like it to be different, then you butt up against the reasons that conscious and unconscious you're not able to make the changes. And so I'm trying to uh, suggest in my book that there are things that you can do to move from uh, an existing health story to a a new better one, in part by uh, getting in touch with some of the unconscious reasons that you might have been using to keep you from uh, living that new health story. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
throughout your book, you have many different um, exercises that you suggest. I, I think you call them um, exercises for expanding awareness. And yes. And one of the first ones that you suggest is going into the quiet. It's interesting, I've heard other intuitives like James Van Prague refer to this as a foundational practice. Um, can you describe it for us and why is it so valuable? Uh, well, my shamanic worldview uh, has similarities, I think, to cosmologists and quantum physicists. Uh, in, in the case of the cosmologists who speculate about the whys and wherefores of the universe, uh, I believe there was a place before the Big Bang, uh, a place of pure potential from which our universe and perhaps other universes uh, uh, continue to come. And in my own shamanic work, I've encountered that place, I've experienced it, and for me, it was a place of uh, pure potential uh, before an idea, before the form of an idea, before the energization of an idea. And it's a place from which we came in this lifetime. It's the place from which we'll go back to. It's a mysterious place, obviously, but a place that I think we can all get to and relate to. And it has wisdom and it has intelligence and consciousness. And so. I'm suggesting that if we can get to that place, and I suggest a journey for people to take to get there, uh, you can ask it questions about, you know, what's going on in my health right now? What do I need to know? What do I need to uh, perhaps uh, give up? What do I need to gain? And so on and so forth. So it's, it's, it's a realm that I call a transpersonal realm, and I describe others, that uh, we can engage with to get energy and insights into our health story, energies to change if we choose to do so. Mm -hmm. I remarked on uh, some similarities among the journeys in that you have you know, a, a journey to a place or a situation, and then there are things that you want to release, and then there are things that negative things that you want to release and then positive things you want to bring back in so there's this this motion this this journey the getting rid of the the filling up um, is is that something that's common to many different traditions I, I believe so I mean if you look at uh, acupuncture for example and, uh, and Ayurvedic I mean part of it is uh, what you need to have less of, what you need to have more of. And I think shamans who work with energy would uh, say that uh, part of the work is to uh, get rid of certain energies that don't serve you and replace them with energies that uh, better serve you. And so part of the practices uh, that I describe working with uh, elements and times in nature and the quiet and other transpersonal realms are to ask and work with those places to help you get rid of that which you need to and to gain that which you need to gain and have balance restored in your system so that uh, uh, if there was a homeostasis that wasn't working so well before you did this work, you have a, a better equilibrium that's now uh, working better than it was before you emptied and filled. Mm -hmm. It's kind of ironic that most uh, psychologists think that if you hear 
messages from some place outside you, you're crazy. But here you're inviting people to do just that. It's wonderful. So, Carl, why do you suggest in your book looking at the bigger story of our health rather than just focusing on what we want to change? The, uh, the word health, uh, interestingly, uh, has uh, roots in the word uh, wholeness. And uh, I believe that our health story is uh, part of the larger story of our emotions, our thoughts, our spirituality, our relationship to energy, and that uh, sometimes by broadening the uh, uh, inquiry to these other areas, we get insights that uh, we make a change in boy, we think about uh, spirituality and the way we relate to spirit, or uh, a change in our uh, psychological dynamics that will affect our physical health. And similarly, as we make changes in our physical health, our uh, energy and our psychology uh, and our spiritual uh, practices may change as well. So I think they're all interrelated, and I think we get more possible freedom of action, uh, Miriam, by uh, looking as, at our health as part of a larger picture. Now, in many ways, this is a very personal book, and you actually apply the dictum, Healer, Heal Thyself, by applying the techniques to your own situation. How have you worked with your own doctors and still used these healing techniques to address your own physical issues? I certainly, uh, I feel fortunate. I have a, a really uh, fine group of uh, Western doctors who, in many cases, also are believers in the mysteries of healing. Uh, and, and so they would not discount the work that I do or the way I think about things. However, there's some well-established uh, Western medicine principles that I avail myself of, uh, you know, in certain cases, I'll use an antibiotic for, a, you know, something going on in my system. Uh, I'm not against, uh, you know, surgeries in certain situations. But I think what I do uh, at the margin can occasionally uh, preclude the need for the interventions I otherwise might have had, certainly uh, facilitate healing quicker. Uh, and the big thing, uh, it can prevent things from happening, I believe, that otherwise would have. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's very uh, compatible with the medical people that I work with, that which I do on my own. Uh, it, it helps me heal quicker. It may prevent things. And uh, it's, a, it's a good adjunct. I think, um, having studied psychology as well, I'm sure you're familiar with the notion of the witch doctor telling, uh, putting a curse on someone and having that person go into the jungle and die because he was told sure. by the witch doctor he would die. Um, yep. So the, the power of our thoughts cannot be disputed. And I was particularly fascinated with one of the stories you relate about working with a woman with breast cancer, how you yep. um, used imagery and crystals. Can you share that with us? 
Yeah, this was really kind of early on in my uh, work. This was probably back in the 80s, and I had uh, was having some spontaneous journeys and uh, some, some dreams, shamanic dreams. I'm not sure where they all came from, but they came from someplace. And then I read uh, Michael Harner's book about shamanism, and I uh, was taking some journeys on my own. And this uh, woman had... Uh, had uh, a partial mastectomy, it was uh, having radiation and uh, chemotherapy, and the uh, wound on her breast was uh, became very raw and, and infected and oozing pus. And so we did some shamanic work, and uh, as I was doing it, I had these images, Miriam, of uh, a woman in a lagoon with a crystal, and uh, uh, a me under a tree with a crystal, and her crystal and mine were uh, kind of uh, feeding each other. And then I, in kind of real time, with the woman I was working with, uh, I had a crystal as well. And somehow my crystal seemed to be uh, uh, energized. And, uh, and then I was just guided in working with her uh, to do other things. I mean, um, among other things, uh, she was mobilizing her and her uh, healers, and uh, uh, I was uh, putting energy uh, into clearing uh, that which needed to be cleared about the infection. And uh, so we were really in sync in doing the work. And, and amazing to me, having not ever done this before in a a relatively short period of time, less than an hour, the infection cleared and the thing closed up. Now, uh, I can't say, uh, you know, if it was what we did or it would have done it anyway or, as you suggested, before the power of suggestion, the placebo effect, whatever it was, it it, 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 it worked uh, in that moment for that woman. Well, I do not downgrade uh, or dismiss the power of the placebo effect. In fact, that's the gold standard for pharmaceuticals, trying to beat it. Um, sure. <laughs> anyway, um, you have this kind of constant theme through the book of taking responsibility for one's own health. So healing really is a partnership between the healer and the healee, as opposed to um, a lot of Western medicine where, you know, you just kind of put yourself in the hands of a doctor and say, heal me, give me a drug, give me something, um, yep. which goes back to the placebo effect, which is marshalling one's own healing force. Um, so, you know, in, in taking responsibility for your health, one of the things you call for in the book is for people to do their own research. What did you mean by that? Well, in an age of so many experts, you know, you go to a general practitioner who then refers you to this person, to this person, this person, uh, you really can become uh, very dependent on the system, uh, and uh, you don't really do your own research in the sense of uh, checking out what are uh, good diets, what are good exercise regimens, what are good treatments for that which I'm uh, suffering. So I think there's a, a benefit for people to make themselves aware uh, at the, kind of the 
intellectual level as to what is out there for them given their particular condition. But I'm also saying, uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, we all have these inner capacities to heal that I think we can mobilize, and we can deal with them as if they're uh, inner parts of ourselves. For example, I talk about an inner healer. I talk about the wisdom of a symptom that uh, has awareness and consciousness with which we can communicate. Uh, and so uh, that would be another source of doing research of uh, of asking these transpersonal realms or these parts of ourselves that are uh, involved in our sickness and, and in our healing. Uh, ask them, uh, hey, what's up? What can we do differently? Uh, what are you trying to show me? And I have found that when people do that, in many cases, it's very useful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you frequently recommend journaling. Why is that so helpful? I think it's uh, uh, it's helpful to start off, well, first of all, keeping track of the work that you do so you could refer back to it. I think that's useful. Uh, but also to, to be uh, scrupulously honest with yourself as to what is. In my first book, uh, uh, I was struck in working with a number of people over the years that when you ask somebody, well, what, what's your story? Oftentimes, they want to tell you the story that they want others to believe about them, but not necessarily their, their true story. Mm-hmm. And similarly with your health, if somebody says, well, how, how are you doing, Maria? Well, I'm okay, I'm fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that may be a socially conventional, you know, you don't want to get into it kind of an answer. Uh, but it also could be, hey, I don't want to, I'm not doing so well, but I don't really want to think about it. I, It's just nothing I can do about it anyway, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So the journaling allows you to start to be scrupulous with yourself as to what is as it relates to the story of your health. Uh, and I talk about, uh, so these would be left brain practices to engage your health story, but I also say, you know, to kind of mix it up a little bit, what are the themes that then you're uncovering about your health? What are the stories you tell yourself? For example, uh, you know, everybody in our family uh, uh, has died uh, by age 55 with a heart attack, and I probably will too. I mean, that would be a story that people say. Or, you know, I'm healthy as a horse. Uh, I can do basically whatever I want, and I'm not going to get sick. And there's variations on all these stories uh, that if a person can become aware of those stories and the themes that are embodied in them, it gives them a chance to reflect on them and say, hey, uh, am I getting trapped by these themes? Are there things I could do differently? And then I suggest practices uh, using more of the right brain. You know, what's the the song that captures your health? Or what's a, a poem that does? Or what's a color? Or what's an image? And so on and so forth. So you're kind of loosening up the way in which you're engaging it. And these are all uh, preparatory uh, or you know, stand alone before you get into some of the expanded awareness practices to get into these transpersonal realms and unconscious influences on your health. That reminds me of the the rather fine line between um, being brutally honest with your present situation uh, or or looking at the the probably the worst implications of it versus allowing yourself to be overwhelmed by uh, 
let's say, a bad prognosis? And how do you keep up the positive healing energy in the face of of the uh, dire predictions of, you know, you're going to die kind of thing from your doctor? In, in the uh, uh, shamanic uh, worldview, and I'm sure other traditions have a similar feeling, uh, at one level, things just are. You know, your doctor says you've got metastatic uh, cancer with so many uh, times to live, uh, you know, time in the sense of months maybe. Uh, and so that's, that's just kind of what is. Then how you feel about it, those reactions, those are yours. Uh, and I'm suggesting ways to interact in a dialogic way with those feelings, for example, your fear or your terror, uh, to work with it and just in the process of having a conversation with it in a alchemical kind of a way, things often change. You get a new sense about it. You can then start to uh, incorporate this fact into your life in a new way that you otherwise wouldn't have been uh, able to do had you not started to work some of the processes I talk about. Because you're absolutely right. Uh, for many of us, it's overwhelmingly, and then we just kind of basically tune out in that particular case for the rest of our lives until we die. But I'm saying there's other ways to work with that fact, and I describe uh, what people can do, and in some cases what people have done uh, through these practices. Hmm. Fascinating. So, Carl, one of the... Uh techniques that you particularly employ is working with the elements of nature, working with the directions. These these are drawn from various indigenous uh, shamanic traditions. Um, and you, you did mention earlier that you had worked with Alberto Violdo. Um, what drew you to these techniques and how do you feel that they actually interact with our energies? Again, uh, my worldview uh, has been shaped by my experiences and since I've experienced this place that I call the quiet, the place from which all things come, uh, then I have to uh, speculate, well, what does that mean? And so the way I understand it, Miriam, is that from this, the one, uh, we have all the things in this visible world that we see uh, that are infused by the energy of the one in its consciousness, and that would include plants, rocks, uh, animals, uh, humans, uh, and then it would also include all the invisible things that we uh, don't see. And I talk about archetypal energies that influence how people think, act, and feel. But in the world of nature, then, uh, if my thesis is right that it all comes from this one place, then in that sense, everything contains the one, and the one contains the many, and everything is interconnected at some level. Uh, uh, and those interconnections can be... Uh, strengthened by our intent or lessened by our neglect, but they're always present. And since we are all part of uh, uh, the, the natural world, 
uh, and uh, we're made up of water and uh, earth and air and uh, fire, uh, we can relate to those elements individually and collectively. And, uh, and through ceremony and ritual and intent, uh, gain from them uh, through a relationship. And I believe that, and I've seen how that's worked, as I believe that just being in nature can be very healing. And for particular people, particular places at times in nature can be even more particularly uh, healing. Mm-hmm. So that's based on my own experience and, and my, the worldview that I just gave you, the fact that everything's connected in a, a, a living, aware universe. Do you find that it uh, is a requirement or particularly helpful uh, for the patient to share this worldview or to believe a priori that they can be healed? Um in order for it to be effective? Uh, I, I think it certainly, it certainly helps. Uh, and it certainly, if they don't really believe in it, they're probably not going to do it. And, and my, my work is not so much as a healer to do for them, it's to really create a space for them to do for themselves. And so right. my hope would be to get them to actually... Uh, uh, you know, do the journey, not me do the journey on their behalf, and then tell them what I found, but uh, which I can't do. But I'd rather they learn to do it, and then the, uh, even if it's they don't believe in it, if they do it and have all of a sudden uh, an aha experience, well, then the proof's in the pudding. Uh, and the shamanic work is pretty uh, uh, experiential, not pretty. It's just experiential, so it's not based on a on. A, precepts as much as on percepts. It's kind of what you perceive when you're doing it as opposed to some rules as to uh, this is how things work. And when you describe shamanism, it doesn't make any sense to me because it's not double-blinded, uh, uh, tested mm-hmm. out. Uh, so it's the people need to uh, actually, I think, uh, experience it. And then when they do, uh, they've either had something that's useful or not. Well, I think there is a lot of spontaneous uh, work going on where people uh, who have kind of come to the end of their rope uh, surrender and then they get, uh, whether it's a, a, a psychic opening or a vision or a spontaneous healing, um, that does make them believers and then proselytizers. Um, yes, yes. So, and I, I have the feeling that this is increasing as more people um, are open to the possibility, then they, um, they experience it, kind of, you know, give it a chance and it'll happen. Um, are there some uh, ailments, areas of, concern, of health concern that you find recurring in your practice that are particularly helped by these techniques? Not one more than another. They're all, uh, you know, based on the idea that uh, we can, you know, every illness we have uh, has a message for us if we listen to it. We may not want to hear what it is, but it has a message. 
we all have an inner healer that we can engage. Uh, and the practices to relate to whatever our illness are uh, involve our uh, seeing if there are past determinants for it, uh, what the future might look under certain scenarios about it, and what choices uh, on a almost minute-to-minute timeline that we can make in the present uh, to affect our our health. And I think those principles, past, present, and future, would encompass really any physical ailment that we have. And uh, a lot of the changes that I see in people are not like huge, big, dramatic changes all at once, although I've seen that. It's more just what are the little things you can do differently as a result of these kinds of practices that over time accumulate to really changing your health story. And uh, it, it, it takes some work. You have to really be uh, wanting to do it. And uh, and even back to your question about the research, when you've done the research, uh, you know, sticking to it, uh, two thoughts about that. Uh, you know, you know, most people would say uh, diets, medicine is important, and eat uh, not too much, mostly real foods. Uh, you, you know, mostly plants. I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Pollan, you know, wrote uh, about that. Um, mm-hmm. And people would say exercise is important, reduce your stress, and uh, you probably need uh, uh, supplements of some sort in this day and age. And yet. Uh, a lot of times people don't do that. They, they might know that's right, uh, but they don't do it for a variety of reasons. So just to comply with what you know is useful, uh, I think it's a big gift to yourself. And it's amazing to me how many people uh, who would say all these things don't do it. And the practices in my book at least give a person a chance to kind of get behind some of the reasons that they don't do it and give them some help energetically to make those changes at the margin that they otherwise might not have made. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You talk a lot about getting back to nature, getting closer to nature in the book. And I remember uh, reading a study that showed that just walking on the earth barefoot gives you more antioxidants than a fistful of supplements. Yeah, I, I, I believe I don't know that you know the factual things about that, but I, but I certainly believe that uh, you, you get the you know back to your uh, point about the spontaneity of things happening is where people believe it. I think as you get to a certain more I'm going to call it uh, altered state or a state where you have less focused attention, you're less uh, in your frontal lobes and your sympathetic nervous system, you're more in the parasympathetic nervous system, other parts of your brain are working and you do that by slowing down the brain waves. Uh, That's more conducive to uh, healing and people experience that more, uh, it's been measured, when they're in nature than when they're walking around the city. And so just by being in nature, you set up some conditions for these spontaneous things to happen, as well as you set uh, in place certain uh, healing mechanisms as as certain other neurotransmitters start to uh, 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 be involved compared to when you're uh, in a more focused, sympathetic nervous system, a driven state. Mm 
Is this approach helpful in dealing um, with chronic conditions uh, to the same extent as with, uh, you know, acute conditions? I believe so. I mean, it's, it's basically, uh, uh, yeah, it's working with that chronic condition and trying to find out what is its message for you. Uh, what does it want? What uh, 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 it, can you can you negotiate a new relationship with it? Uh, how does it fit into your overall life plan uh, with these other fronts we talked about? You know, how does it affect your relationships, your job, your spiritual practices, your uh, psychology and it just uh, it, 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 it can loosen things up I mean it, it, people talk sometimes Miriam about uh, well I feel healed even though I'm still going to die from this dire prognosis and people say well that's just kind of a funny thing but but it's, it's true because you're more at peace. You're more ready to live the rest of your life, whatever it is, if you have healing, than if you're back to what we talked about earlier, just terrified and, and, and just checking out. I've seen people with relatively short periods of life to live who have really, in a sincere, honest way, they've been scared, but they've had a very full remaining few months or year or two. Mm-hmm. in ways that they never would have believed had they not done some of this work. Absolutely. I remember Bernie Siegel talking about a patient who uh, was told he was going to die and went out to enjoy himself and had so much fun he didn't die for, for years. No, that, that, that happens too. That happens too, for sure. Wow. So you had a really interesting afterward right at the end of your book where you talk about evidence for the effectiveness of energy medicine and uh, you talk about a cardiologist that you heard speak who said that less than half of what he does is based on evidence-based medicines Um, it sounds like this is a, a growing wave is that how you say it people in Western medicine are seeing uh, the inner relationships of a lot more things than uh, they did, uh, say, 50, 60 years ago. For example, in uh, breast cancer, uh, uh, was it so many years ago, one of the uh, uh, big approaches was you just cut everything out and keep cutting and cutting and cutting without really understanding all the systemic uh, uh, influences on cancer, how certain genes uh, turn on to create it, how certain genes turn on to uh, uh, keep it from from happening, and how uh, you can't uh, not pay attention to the full systems, the body systems, when you deal with uh, uh, many of these ailments. So I think people are starting to uh, see that, and you can measure uh, a thought can uh, trigger an emotion, and an an endocrine system uh, response, and you can kind of track that. And you can see how vibrations in one part of the body almost instantaneously affect others. And when there is a state of uh, disease, uh, there's machines that can kind of pick up how 
vibrationally the energy of your body looks and when you're uh, in a more healthy state, uh, it looks different. Now, what one does to cause it to go from uh, unhealthy to healthy is still part of the uh, the mystery and the art, but uh, besides just giving uh, uh, medicine or uh, homeopathic uh, remedies, uh, we've seen and we've talked about it even earlier today, you know, your thoughts and the placebo, the beliefs can affect these images. Uh, as well as I believe when you go to some of these transpersonal realms and you do work uh, in, in, your, in the lower world or the upper world uh, or with your inner healer, uh, I think that those uh, interactions, working with your dreams, can affect all these fields so that health can occur uh, more than had you not done the work. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the inner healer a number of times. How do you uh, envision this entity? Uh, for me, it, it's a it's akin to uh, like the wise inner person, uh, uh, the wise old man or the wise old woman, but but it's also kind of unique in that it has a healing uh, aspect to it. I mean, I... physical component which we think about but also we have a psychological immune system and a, uh, a spiritual immune system and a uh, uh, energetic immune system all of which can be in influenced and inter interact with each other so one personification of some of these things I'm talking about would be what I would call an inner healer which has appeared to different people in different forms, but it just seems to be an, an intelligent uh, part of ourselves that we're usually not aware with, that we can relate to more than we think, to cooperatively uh, engage in our own healing. And I really believe that we have more self-healing capabilities than we think, but part of it is trying to engage those uh, in cooperation with our ego consciousness. And, and, and you do that through, among other things, a uh, uh, conversation with it. And I talk about how mm -hmm. that conversation might look. My husband is a hypnotherapist, and he routinely uses a technique of going inside, he calls healing hands, of having visualizing hands going inside and fixing uh, areas that you know might be inflamed or broken or blocked or whatever and there are amazing results from this type it just seems like this is just another way of addressing the same mechanism that you're talking about with shamanic journeying that even though it seems magic the effects are real and physical and so it goes yes. back to the power of our thoughts and our imagination. Yes. And, and, uh, and the healing hands could be like an aspect of the inner healer or an inner healer. Mm -hmm. An inner healer, absolutely. Yeah. So do you 
think that this is going to be a greater, uh, more popular use of um, visualization in uh, other areas of medicine. Um, do, do you think this is a, a technique whose time has come? In the field of complementary medicine, integrative medicine, uh, you know, people certainly believe in visualizations, and uh, they believe in the power of the mind, and they believe in meditation. Uh, the particular shamanic and yogian nuances, uh, uh, in some ways, are talked about with other words, but uh, I think they are useful. Uh, adjuncts, and, and I've worked with a number of physicians, and a number of them are very open to these things, particularly when they experience for themselves the power in these realms. So, yes, I think that increasingly more people will be drawn to holistic medicine, and this is certainly uh, complementary and a part of what I would call holistic medicine. Mm-hmm. Or integrative medicine, yeah. It, it's or integrative using, or complementary, yep. Mm -hmm. Using all of the techniques available to us. I mean, why, why ignore a useful technique uh, that has been shown to be useful just because it is not uh, supported by double-blind uh, control studies? Um, yes, it, it doesn't doesn't cost much money, and there's uh, very little harm. I mean, the harm would be if somebody doesn't do uh, Western medicine that they really need to do uh, because they're doing some of these practices. But if you think about it as an adjunct and think about it as a way to take more charge of your own uh, health, uh, then I think it's it's powerful. And there's always the hope for a miracle, and. Uh, this uh, has been shown to be miraculous in many cases. I mean, the, the, that, the power that is true. of the mind is the miracle. Yep. Uh, the, the mind yep, that, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So and, what is and we don't know whether or not beyond the power of the mind, whether or not there are really these forces out there, and I believe there are, that we can engage with, and they, it's just separate from us, can, can do something. And that's kind of where you get into the mystical and the woo-woo the that some people say, well, you're nuts. But I believe that it's not nuts. <laughs> well, listeners to this program will have had quite a fair share of the mystical and woo-woo here, including um, uh, that kind of healing technique uh, coming from uh, a higher source. So um, it, it's an interesting time, Carl, and, and it's exciting to see this growing openness. Um, it... it really was fascinating to, to think of you changing course at the age of 60. Um, we talk a lot about the um, uh, aging and the uh, burdens of aging, but not of the freedoms of aging, where you have the, the liberty to go and um, enter an, an area that just fascinates you. Uh, kudos for that, and and um, how difficult did you find it? Well, I started off, you know, I was a, a, a university uh, professor for a while, then I became a businessman, and then in my uh, 40s I uh, switched into, I 
started studying to be a clinical psychologist, then a Jungian analyst. So I was kind of in transition doing uh, different things. I'd always been interested in the martial arts and uh, certain energetic practices like Qigong, but it all kind of came together, as I said earlier, uh, when I was 60 and I started to do some of the shamanic work. Uh, so I did it. I titrated it, Miriam. So I did a little bit here. This changed and it made me more open to do the next thing. So for me, it was kind of a meandering, just uh, looking back, I was probably guided at the time. I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. So do you feel you come home now, or are there still new areas to explore for you? I feel I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, uh, for a 76-year-old guy, that pretty soon to be 77, I feel very uh, uh, happy and uh, so blessed, and I hope uh, uh, that... Uh, um, I'm, I'm open to that which comes in uh, in ways that I can serve uh, however I'm called to do so, and I feel uh, pretty freed up to do so. So in our last minute, do you have a parting message for our listeners? Uh, well, think about... Uh, you know where you came from, why you're here, who are you, what are you, where are you going to go uh, uh, when you're no longer in this physical body. And given some of those answers, uh, you want to make some changes in your life that uh, you haven't made up until now. And uh, if so, what might they be? And if you need some uh, uh, energetic and uh, uh, inspirational ways to do that, I'm suggesting that these transpersonal realms can give you some of those uh, 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 energies that perhaps you haven't uh, experienced before. Mm-hmm. And there are many uh, le- um, exercises in the book that will lead you gently through these to these transpersonal realms. Well, Carl, thank you very much for being with us today. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Miriam. I enjoyed our, uh, our talk. We've been speaking with Carl Greer, the author of Change the Story of Your Health, coming out in a few weeks. Um, you can get it all the good places. Come back and join us next week on Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.